From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we are glad to welcome in Angela Hassel, who is the Executive Director of Loaves and Fishes right here in Sacramento. Angela, good day to you. Hey, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's good to be back with you. Yes, uh, you surviving the 20 below temperatures in the morning. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... It's, it's been a rough go for a little bit now, but the rain is, we need the rain, Yeah. but it makes it very damp and very cold. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like two months ago, it was 117 here in Sacramento. <laughs> I don't know why we can't kind of moderate that, you know, <laughs> but boy, it has been, uh, it has been freezing in the mornings and, and even, yeah. even when it, when it rained, it's, uh, it was very, a very cold rain and. How, I mean, we you know we we imagine how difficult it is to be homeless, uh, in in at any time of the year, but how, I mean, what changes with with the rain? I mean, how do people how do you, how do you stay outdoors when it's raining? I mean, it's it's relentless and uh, there's there's just no relief from it. There's not very much relief from it. You're right. Yeah, folks. Um, we often hear from folks that they have a really hard time getting warm and staying warm. Mm-hmm. And you know, we do we do what we can to pass out blankets and sleeping bags and tents and things that. I think we may have uh, we may have uh, lost Angela Your tarp that might have been protecting Oh, there you, you go. Kind of goes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's hard. It's really hard for folks, and you know we see we see a lot of people coming in that are you know real bundled up and maybe you know two or three blankets on top of them, and sometimes they're just sopping wet. They're sopping so wet. Yeah, you know, like you say, with with the the cold, if it's not raining, uh, there there are things you can do to try to stay warm. And but right. boy, when it's raining, it just doesn't matter. Um, you're going to get wet. No. When it's raining, sometimes it's with the cold, cold rain. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of wet folks around out there, and we we do what we can to give them something dry to change into and mm-hmm. um, kind of go from there. But it's it's really hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to witness, and it's really hard, and even much harder for folks to live through. So. Are you seeing an, an uptick in in the, the number of people you're seeing, or is it stable? Is it going down? How is it all the <laughs> but every day you pick up the paper and there's something different about the economy. Things are getting better. Things are getting worse. We're going into a recession. No, we're not. Um, how does that affect? It seems like the the people on the margins they suffer uh, in times of good because rents go up groceries go up, everything goes up, and in times of bad, uh, they suffer because uh, there are no jobs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they get it on both ends. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's pretty accurate. They do kind of get it get it on both ends. And, you know, what we're what we're seeing now is uh, kind of a lot of a lot of folks that are coming through are we gauge our numbers at Lives and Fishes based off of how many lunches, how many hot noon meals we serve a day. And um, we're around over Thanksgiving, we broke into the five and 600 range, um, which is a lot. It's a lot for us to be serving every day. We, we often prepare meals for 600 people, but knowing that, that six, not necessarily 600 people are going to show up, but they have started. They have started coming. So we're, we're kind of ramping up our meal service and um, food that the amount of food that we're cooking and and all of that is starting to increase to try to accommodate that we would never never want to turn somebody away hungry and we'll always we'll always find something for them to eat um, we never truly run out but at the same time it's um, it's an undertaking to prepare me- prepare meals every day for 
for five and six hundred people. So for yeah. those that are unfamiliar with loaves and fishes and your operation, yeah. talk about just the, the meal part and, and how that works. Yeah, so loaves and fishes started as a dining room to try to provide hot, nutritious meals for folks that are experiencing homelessness. Our meals are uh, designed to be nutritionally balanced, so there's a protein, there's a carb, there's vegetables, there's, you know, bread. Um, but it, we do try to serve a lot of food. A lot of the time, this is the only meal that people might have um, for that day, and so we try to make sure that it's as close to a day's worth of calories as we can so that if, we, if they're only eating that one time during the day, then at least we know they're getting something substantial and that will nourish them um, until they can come and, back. And this is, a, and this is a lunchtime meal. Our meal is served at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And that's uh, what, it, what, is that go for like 11 to 1? Or how, how long does it take to serve that many people? During the week, it's from um, 11.30 to 1.30. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends, it's 11 to 1. Okay. We close down a little bit earlier on Saturday and Sunday. And, and it's seven days a week. Seven days a week. Yep. 364 days a year. Interestingly enough, the only day that we, our dining room closes is Thanksgiving Day. And right. that's because we do our big Thanksgiving meal the Tuesday before. And then other other nonprofits in the area um downtown Sacramento, we all kind of chose a day, and that's mm-hmm. what Loves and Fishes landed on. So that's the day that our dining rooms get the true break, um, and then we pick it up and keep right on going from there. So where where would somebody who has has a noon meal with you, where, where might mm-hmm. they go for dinner or breakfast the next morning or something like that? Many of the shelters do provide dinner, so if folks have a bed in a shelter, they might be able to um, utilize that. Folks that are are camping or um, staying in their cars or things like that, there's less less opportunities for those folks to eat a you know a hot meal for mm-hmm. dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of places, you know, food banks and things like that that provide food for people so they could go and kind of pick up some some groceries in different places right. and eat that but unless they have the ability to excuse me to heat it up it would likely be a cold meal yeah i mean so so or many of the like food banks or yeah like that, that you can make yourself there's <clears throat> there's with a lot of the food banks there's sort of an assumption that you that the, the people have a way to prepare it right yeah yeah that's the tricky part and you know people get very creative with um, little camping stoves or things mm-hmm. like that so they can kind of quickly heat up maybe some um, cup of noodles or, or something something right. that's hot. Um, but a lot of the time it ends up kind of being the cold, non-perishable items that they can they can eat. And then we do have breakfast at Loaves and Fishes, so there's there's opportunities there for folks to come by in the morning and get, get breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is that the same? Is, is that kind of a grab and go, or is that the same dining room? Right now, it is a to go mm-hmm. style opportunity. Although with the cold weather, we've started serving. Um, we always serve hot coffee. Mm-hmm. We've started serving oatmeal and other other hot things, um, maybe grits once in a while, or things things like that that we can prepare quickly and easily and and serve to help help folks warm up in the morning, but it is a lot of kind of a la carte program style. Um, we have different groups that, that bring in the food for that. It's mm-hmm. not often something that we cook, aside from we would cook the oatmeal on site in our commercial kitchen so that everything stays at the right temperature and all of that. But um, it is a lot of uh, donated food. Folks might bring in sandwiches or hard-boiled eggs or something something like that, and then we can pass, our staff can and volunteer groups can pass that out to people in the morning so that they have something to come to and, and how early does that start 7 a.m we friendship park where we serve the breakfast program uh out of opens at 7 a.m so we often have folks lined up at you know 6 6 45 in the morning to come in when we open our gates to to utilize that now for the for the lunch meal mm-hmm. where does the food come from much of it is donated. We do purchase food, though, depending mm-hmm. on the meal. Um, and then we have some groups that uh, bring in the ingredients for their meal. We have a couple groups that have 
traditionally done like a lasagna or a taco casserole or something that we've had served in our dining room for years and years. And some of those groups that have their monthly day, like it might be the first Monday of the month or something like that, some of those groups provide the ingredients for the meal and donate it, bring it in, and then they come in and prepare it and serve it in our dining room. So there's some of that, and then there's some other meals that we end up purchasing the food and preparing with volunteer assistance and and serve it in our dining room as well. It's a little bit of both. So you can always use monetary contributions as well as, uh, you know, in-kind contributions. Absolutely, yes. Um, Our food budget is probably the biggest line item Mm -hmm. in our budget from year to year. Um, I don't know the number of that off the top of my head, but it is is our most expensive item that we are purchasing since the dining room is is kind of the core program at Lives and Fishes. It is the first program. It's how we started, and all of our other services um, for folks experiencing homelessness kind of grew out of out of that program. But we're it is our biggest expense and our biggest program, and it's um, it's one of our most vital programs as well. Sure. Do, do you do you get corporate donations from uh, you know uh, food and from like grocery stores or food chains, Costco, think places like that? We do sometimes, yep. We do sometimes get donations from Costco or, um, you know, we have relationships with other food banks in the area, mm-hmm. and sometimes they have an excess of, you know, say, chicken. And so we might be able to supplement some of our purchased items with donations like that or kind of a little bit of trading mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, so that's that's a wonderful resource, and, and we're willing to collaborate and network with other folks in the community and share share when we have an abundance of something that we might not be able to use and go from there. So there's there's a little bit of that going on behind the scenes as well. Explain how, how the, the people serving the meal, how that works, the various groups that come in, and uh, maybe how somebody who would like to participate could get involved. Absolutely. So our service groups are sometimes they're groups of folks, like there might be um, a group from a certain church. I know the first Thursday of the month is the Sisters of Mercy, so Mercy Associates and some of the sisters themselves come and help serve on the first Thursday of the month. But then there are just also individuals from the community who want to come on their own and aren't a part of a group and want to serve. And the best the best way to access that is to contact our volunteer office, which can be contacted by email. The email address is volunteers with an S at sacklove.org or by calling 916-637-2444 and getting signed up for one of our volunteer orientations. We have those every week on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m., and we can take up to, I think it's like 10 to 12 folks per week. Mm -hmm. And then once folks do the orientation and kind of learn a little bit more about loaves and fishes, they can start volunteering at that point. Um, And we kind of just try to fill the monthly calendar with either groups or individuals, so it's it's a lot of a lot of goodwill from the community that makes our meals happen every day. We would definitely would never be able to do it without without the use of volunteers. We don't. Um, our staff are are there to assist in the process, but the bulk of the work is done by volunteers from are, the very beginning up through today. If if a group approaches you and says we'd like to do one day a month or something, is mm-hmm. is is that available? Number one, and how many people would they need to make a group? Yeah, some groups are, you know, 10 to 12 people. Some groups are three, four people. So it really just kind of depends. And um, our volunteer office manages that calendar. And so we'd, we'd be able to see what we could make work. But we could, we can accommodate groups um, in size up to maybe about 8 to 10 mm-hmm. folks at a time. Um, depending on the day of the week, there might be some calendar days that we don't have anybody and we could potentially take more. Um, but that would just kind of be something that we could absolutely work out as we go along. And it's, it's, there's, there's more involved than just serving the food. There's, there's food prep and yeah. dishes, and uh, um, so it's, it's a pretty decent time commitment, right? It is. Our, our prep shift starts around 6 in the morning when our staff come in, and they start kind of firing up the ovens and chopping vegetables and getting the, the menu items together for the day, and then that shift 
often leaves around maybe 10 a.m. or so, and the next shift comes in to help serve the food. So there, there are some folks that stay the whole day, and then there are others that might have other commitments and can only do the half-day shift, um, and that's either way is fine. We're, we're accommodating in, in some of those ways where there are different shifts to be able to help um, on folks' schedules. And the, I will say the Friendship Park Breakfast Program is done by 8 a.m. So sometimes mm-hmm. we have people who come in before they have to go to work, and they're there from 7 to 8 a.m. to help serve those meals, and then they go, they go on with the rest of their day. So there's there's many opportunities to serve food at our facility. Is there is there a most popular lunch item? I would say I, I have two answers to this. One, um, amongst our staff, the favorite lunch item is baked potato bar which is you know mm. a loaded baked potato with ground beef cheese sour cream um, green onions jalapenos all the toppings um uh, uh, and one, uh, one of my teenage daughters so I, I i hope she's listening <laughs> yeah that is that's one of that's our staff favorite um our guests a lot of the things that they love are the the taco casserole i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. which is um, you know, ground beef base and then nacho cheese and chips and all the toppings with that. And then lasagna. Lasagna and pizza are also really big hits mm-hmm. as well with our guests. So. Is, is pizza something you make there or is that something that's ordered and delivered? Uh, we make it there. You make it, yeah. Yep, make it. A lot cheaper. It is way more cost effective to make it. Yep. Um, but we've also, you know, we've also had folks who wanted to sponsor that and have it delivered and then we serve it so sure. we've, we've done that as well yeah we wow. typically make it ourselves so here we are uh, approaching christmas and uh yeah. I, it's it's not it's it's strange and i know we have this conversation before but it's uh hunger is a 365 a day year thing it's not just at christmas it's not just at the holidays it's not just um when it gets cold um what what specifically uh, do you do you folks need in terms of donations from people? Yeah, this time of year um, we are always in need of things to keep folks warm and dry. So sleeping bags, tents, blankets, tarps, coats, um, things things of that nature for men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of children at our school, mustard seed school, who need those things as well. And then we give out for adults in some of our other programs. Um, so those are, those are kind of our biggest winter needs for the holidays. We're also, um, on Christmas Day, we serve our festive Christmas meal, Christmas dinner of ham and potatoes and a lot of the other fixings. Um, and we do give out stockings to every mm-hmm. person who comes through on Christmas Day. That's wonderful. Uh, and the wish list for that is, is on our website, um, sackwolves.org. And so if folks are interested in kind of compiling some holiday stockings for our guests, there's a list there of kind of what we typically like to put in them. That way everybody gets something similar when they come through and, and mm-hmm. it can just be very festive and, and joyful um, for our guests as well. Do, but you, are, you provide the stockings and 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 you're, you're looking for donations to fill the stockings or do pe- people provide the stocking as well? Um, a lot of folks provide the stocking as well. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah, just the red and red and white stockings <laughs> that you see at all the stores yep. right now. Um, yeah, with, with some little gifts. And then also we put hygiene items in there and, and some other survival supplies in addition to um, various other gifts and, and, you know, gloves and hats and things like that to, to keep people warm but also be also be festive for the season and, and let folks have a little bit of joy with their meal on Christmas Day. In terms of food items, uh, what mm-hmm. what can you use? What can't you use? Our, we do have a wish list on our website, again, under the needs list section mm-hmm. for the Christmas meal. But right now, the, the main things that we're looking for are um, frozen ham. And we ask for it to be frozen so that, that we can um, utilize it for the meal and we, it won't go bad before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we need pies. We serve a lot of pie at Christmas time. Um, and we ask that those pie donations be delivered like the week before Christmas so that they stay fresh 
mm-hmm. for the Christmas meal. Mm-hmm. Um, things like, you know, cranberry sauce, um, p- mashed potatoes, uh, dry stuffing mix so mm-hmm. that we can make that to go with the meal as well. Um, those are kind of some of the big hitters, the main things that we need to prepare our Christmas meal that we ask for donations from the community to supply. So any, any of those items would be fantastic. So anything, anything I haven't asked you that you want to, want to share with our listeners? You know, I think that um, Loaves and Fishes is, is a really unique, special place where we kind of treat people with as little judgment as possible and meet people where they are. And I think I would just want to thank everybody for contributing to that and supporting our mission and, and know that we can't do it without your help and without your support and without your prayers. And we're very, very grateful to be in Sacramento where we have a lot of community support and um, we can't we can't do it alone and know that you are all in our thoughts and prayers this holiday season as well. Oh, very well said. You know, it is a very generous place, isn't it? It doesn't necessarily, uh, I mean, we have we have some wealth and we have, you know, a, a decent job market, but it's not a, uh, it's not known as a, as a rich or ritzy town. And yet people are yeah. very generous. I remember during Hurricane Katrina, which is, I don't know, it's 10, 15 years ago now in, in New Orleans, yeah. um, talking to some of the it wasn't just Catholic relief. It was it was uh, you know the the regular civil defense people and and just talking to them, and they said that the donations we got from Sacramento were just off the chart. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a lot of goodwill, a lot of a lot of generosity in Sacramento, and we're we're very grateful for that. And um, we're just we're honored to be able to do this work. It really it really truly is. It is an honor to be able to serve, and um, by the grace of the community, we will continue doing it as long as there's a need. I guess, what do you expect from a city named after the Blessed Sacrament? There you go. <laughs> there you it know. is. Can't fight that. <laughs> nope. Yeah. nope. Well, Angela, trying to, try to keep that keep that rolling, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, greatly appreciate you taking the time to be with us, and and uh, thanks for all your great work. I. I I hear about loaves and fishes all the time, and it's it's an institution here in Sacramento. And uh, your your work is just it's nothing short of heroic. So thanks thanks for everything, and uh, we wish you the the best. Have a happy and holy and merry Christmas. Thank you so much, and happy holidays to you all as well. Thanks so much, Angela. Take care. That's uh, Angela Hassel, who is the executive director of loaves and fishes and a long, long history of, of loaves and fishes. Uh, another one of those things, a, a lot like the Sacramento Life Center, you know, just a handful of people started it uh, decades ago and uh, it grew and it grew and it grew just like uh, a Sacramento a food bank as well. Um, they all have the, just a, a one or two or five people, six people decided there was a need and it started small, um, served very few people and gradually grew to meet the needs. And, uh, and now uh, loaves and fishes, everybody knows about loaves and fishes and, uh, or presumably everybody does. And, uh, they, they provide so many services. We, you know, we, we talked today about the meal, uh, which is, it, it, it's kind of the, <laughs> the meat and potatoes of the program, if you will. And in, indeed, uh, you know, 364 days a year, they are serving a meal, a lunchtime meal, and a very hearty lunchtime meal. I've I've been there. I've I've helped serve, uh, not not on a regular basis. I'm not no pat on the back there, but uh, I, I've seen the operation, and it is it's a very uh, efficient operation. I mean, imagine every day, 600, 700 people coming to your facility for a not just uh you know you pass out a sandwich that's been pre-made and it just takes 10 seconds you're you're talking about a food line a buffet line almost um with with a lot of different items and uh uh, nutritious items hearty items uh, stick to your ribs items uh there's a lot of planning and a lot of coordination that goes into that and otherwise, uh, you could you you couldn't serve fifty people, uh, no matter how many volunteers you had. So it's it's uh, 
uh, an institution in this community and something that is really, really valuable. We'll take a quick break, back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Hi, this is Brian Visitation, Director of Media and Communications for the Diocese of Sacramento. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Brian, for that wonderful introduction and for all the great work you do here for the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, we are pleased uh, to go across town to... Uh, the world headquarters of the Sacramento Life Center, and we're joined by Executive Director Marie Leatherby. Marie, good day to you. Good day to you. Happy season. Happy season, indeed. Indeed. Uh, uh, we can say Christmas on the air. Uh, we can't say Christmas. <laughs> well, I got in trouble the other day because somebody said it's still Advent. We shouldn't be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's uh, I have not heard that before. I mean, I, I, I knew it was Advent, but I... <laughs> I didn't know we couldn't wish people a happy, a Merry Christmas uh, or a Holy Christmas uh, during Advent, but uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. To each his own. I celebrate Christmas for two months. Yeah. And get and Advent. I mean, it's all it's all wonderful. You and Macy's, you <laughs> celebrated for two months. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I think they now have the St. Patrick's Day uh, uh, displays up. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. probably, yeah. <laughs> Certainly Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, now Christmas starts in October. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing how, how, how early all these things. Uh, I don't know if it's yep. last year's Halloween candy that they've put out on sale or if it's if they're just early. <laughs> I yeah. know. It's it's kind of crazy. And But uh, for Christmas for me, I, I start preparing spiritually. It's just such an awesome time, you know. Daily Mass and Advent, and, and uh, it's, it's just a beautiful season spiritually. It, it, it really is, you know, and uh, it's uh, 
there, there's so many parts to that. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because every now and then, you know, we always we'll we'll find a time to pack everybody, kids and all the kids in the van and go drive around and look at Christmas lights. And, you know, some some newspapers sometimes will even have uh, tell you where to go to see the best lights and all that. But every now and then, not as often as it used to be, you'll see a a really truly religious display on a lawn or uh, you know in a bay window or something and i'm always just struck and i i want to go knock on the door and say thank you you know thank you for this and and you know the the all the lights and the santas and those are all fun too i mean there's no there's no question about it but it's it just uh, every year i i i know there's one spot that they they are going to have a very sacred display, uh, not not gaudy, not well. It could be gaudy with a G O D, but not gaudy with a G A U D Y. Uh, you know, but uh, it just just uh, it kind of kind of reminds you Silent Night, Holy Night. You know, it's it, it's quiet, it's understated, but it's profound, and um, you, you kind of have to see it to to really soak it in, and it's not. You say it's not extensive; it doesn't take up the whole yard or anything. But it just you go, wow, that's we need more of that. We need yeah. we need to get back to that. I, I look at all the divisions in the world, all the divisions in our country, which seem to have really been exacerbated in the last few years. Um, we need, yeah. we need. I mean, who? can unite us better than Christ? What story can unite us better as human being, human beings than the Christmas story? Yeah, um, the peace on earth. Yeah. Quiet. Uh, and, I uh, mean, to bring, teach us how to love, I know. It's the reason for the season, and, and uh, people really need to take time to, yeah, like you said, sit in the silence and read. There's so much beautiful stuff put out, even on the Internet, you know, um, different novenas and advent things and um just a lot going on in the church that people should take advantage of it's it's beautiful time yeah and uh, you know he's known as the prince of peace for a reason yeah so yeah you know you must at the life center though you must in a special way you know relate to the christmas story here you have you have people who are really in need uh, and there's there's usually a child involved, and um, there's there's a there are a lot of elements of the Christmas story in what you folks do. Yes, it, it, you know, children that it's uh, surprise and and uh, scary time, and um, you know, just like our blessed mother went through, you know, and uh, that's what we're here to welcome. To to welcome those lives and Christmas is such a special time for that. So I, I'm right out my window now. I'm watching a lady unload her brand new baby into a stroller, and it's just so <laughs> it's just so wonderful sight to see. At this, especially this time of year, these little lives that were um, blessing and helping helping them uh, get a good start in life. So beautiful. So do you have do you do you folks have at, at Sacramento Life? So do you have special needs at Christmas time? Yeah, and and we well we do the baby basket drive, mm-hmm. um, and fill up our baby closet. So there's different ways we've had churches even do some baby showers and bring things in to fill the closet, um, which has been wonderful. And people, you know, even ordering things and having them sent here, but. We just for fifty dollars, someone can go online and sponsor a basket for a mom for the next year. Um, you know, it's kind of a baby shower and a basket with everything they need to get started at home for that baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a great way to give back at Christmas and know that your money's going straight to help a you know a newborn. We call it being baby's first Santa, but. Um, yeah. It's, so just it's, go online and and make a fifty dollar donation, and it will go to this. Yes, that's correct. And if you have more, you can sponsor more than one. Sure. But, um, yeah, that's that's the 
the easiest way to give back, and then we can buy the supplies we need um, to fill them, you know, with uh, you know, pacifiers and diapers and wipes and, and clothing and blankets and burp claws. I mean, we just load them up with everything, you know, to come home that they're going to need um, for that, you know, to get started. And then they can come back every month and get the next size clothing and more diapers and all that. Just It's a huge, huge relief for moms. Diapers, you know, diapers are like forty dollars oh. a box now. <laughs> it's, That's it's, like a week. Yeah, it's uh, mean, <clears throat> really a huge expense. You, you you think of it almost as an incidental, and it's a nece- yeah. it's a, a a necessity, but it's almost an incidental, and yet uh, it's not an incidental. It's like it really expensive. It, it's very ex- expensive, and you know. These families that um, can't afford them. I mean, the, the difference between the meal and the diapers, you know. And so, and it really helps a mom even change her mind. Like they sit there, how uh, young mom? How am I going to afford diapers? Right. Right. You know. And uh, so it makes huge difference. It's a huge de-stressor for moms knowing that we have, you know, this baby closet and diaper program and and those expenses will be, um, you know, be minimal for them for two years. So we try to, at Christmas, that we try to make people aware of that program we have mm-hmm. and to support it. Um, Did you ask for the donation of diapers, or do you do you, uh, just, is it easier for you folks to, to get cash donations and then you can go purchase the di- diapers, maybe even in bulk? Yes. I mean, we really do like to get... Because we run low on certain things or certain size diapers and those kind of things. Um, although we appreciate the diapers, we run through them. Um, sometimes just get, getting those donations help us supplement uh, the other donation. You know, the the material things we need um, for those baskets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember when my when my oldest kids were were little. Uh, the best place to buy diapers was Toys R Us. I remember that. Yep. <laughs> yes. I, I, it was like, it was kind of weird to think of, you know, you'd go in there, you know, uh, for for whatever reason, at, at Christmas or birthdays, or, or maybe you just happened to be in the neighborhood for some reason. Uh, I know our doctor's appointments were always right near there. And and if they had, if they'd gotten a shot or something, I'd say, okay, we can stop at Toys R Us, you know. And, and I remember the first time in there going, Wow. They're selling diapers in here. Yeah. But they used to put them in the back of the store. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. The I remember that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Very strategic. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're just, we're celebrating, you know, the end of our 50th year, too. I mean, just looking back on all our accomplishments this year, it's been an amazing year for the Life Center. I mean, we, we got a new 3D40 ultrasound from Knights of Columbus at the beginning of the year. We paid off our mortgage in February after a five-year campaign. Um, we raised 220000 for our mobile clinic, new mobile that's on order. We established a scholarship fund. We've helped four women um, continue schooling. Just, I mean, we're just going on and on. We had a fabulous gala. Um, Where you actually you know, had to turn people away. We did. I mean, it's been such a blessed year. We had beautiful mass at St. Clair's and St. Elizabeth's. Um, we expanded uh, our parent education program. We've just done all kinds of wonderful things in our 50th year and I just want to thank everyone for supporting us um, and believing in us and knowing that you know we have a lot of people and um, so we're just grateful very grateful yeah you know uh, no no matter the 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 state of the law uh, you f- there's always going to be a need for what you folks do it's true yeah there's always you know, 50% of pregnancies are surprises, you know, and 
we're here to help along with those, you know, unplanned, un- unsupported, you know, untimely. Um, yeah, so it's really fun. It was kind of fun. We went and talked to, uh, we're grateful, Jesuit High School this week to about 100 boys about what we do. And when we first came in, they were kind of, you know, high school boys, like, oh, brother, this is not going to be fun. And by the end, they had their hands raised. They were like, one guy said, somehow you really got my attention. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really cute. But they were just so um, surprised at the women we help and, mm-hmm. and poor families. And um, they just soaked it up and wanted to know more. They had a ton of great questions. So we really were thankful to Jesuit for it part of their uh, consistent life ethic program mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they had us out. And those boys are sharp, and they they really appreciated knowing we had Molly from California Catholic Conference join us. And oh, Molly, Molly Sheehan, she is something. Yeah, and we had one of our nurse practitioner talk to them about the medical side. So we loaded those boys up with a lot they can do for life. Uh, at, at their young age, and it was it was really fun. Well, you know, that sounds like like something that you know. It, uh, unfortunately, you know, you, the, the public schools. I mean, they they take field trips and sometimes very educational field trips. But probably probably that one would be too controversial for them to do, even though it's right. not it's not religious. You know, I mean, I understand. Obviously, you don't you can't take public school kids to mass on a Tuesday, you know, that's, right. that's and, and, and I, you know, I, I, I agree with that because, uh, they, if, if, if they might take my kids some <laughs> to a religious right, service, I wasn't very happy about, yeah. you know, so, so, or the, if, if they had school prayer, they might be praying a prayer that uh, was not the, our father, you know, <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. Depending yeah. on what city you're living in. And, but, but in terms of, of, you know, I've always felt like, like, you know, the probably the the best way to uh, lower crime is to uh, take fourth graders to San Quentin sometime. You know, I mean, oh, that sounds terrible, right. doesn't it? But but you know, to say, you know, obviously you don't want to do that, but that kind of thing, and this is this is the kind of thing that a lot of people don't know what you folks do, you know. Right. And they don't know yeah. how important it is. And like you say, these kids from Jesuit are going, wow. I, I, I Probably a lot of them say, I didn't really realize. I mean, they probably they certainly knew about the Life Center and they know in general. But to actually see it and to actually, you know, the hands-on is always so important. It is. Our history and how we were started by young people. You know, who yeah. would have thought when they, 50 years ago, that we'd impact 50,000 lives, you know? And... Um, we talked to them about different real-life situations, patients that come in. They just loved it. They just, I think, you know, didn't have any idea. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting because you do, even I make that mistake. You know, you, you meet the people now that, that founded, like, the Life Center or Loaves and Fishes or the Sacramento Food Bank. Mm-hmm. You, you meet them now, and they're still active and you say, well, yeah, well, that's easy because these people were retired. And then they go, no, no, this is 50 years ago they started this. <laughs> yeah. They were yeah. they were in their 20s. Yeah, they were in their 20s and stepped out. So I think that really impacted the boys that you can make you can make a difference, you know, yep. being young. So that was fun. So yeah, so we've had a, a, a blessed year, very blessed year. Um, well, and, and uh, you know, you you deserved to have a blessed year, but it's it's amazing how, I, I I guess there's more there's more attention on the 50th anniversary. I felt like you you folks really handled the the 50th anniversary well. There wasn't a lot of patting on the back. There wasn't a, there was, but there were a number of events that were fun, they're interesting, uh-huh. were unique, and. Um, you know, one one of my favorite things. Anytime I get into a debate about life centers, and you had that wonderful uh, interview with uh, uh, Melinda Henneberger from the B. Um, yes, we had that, and the Catholic Herald did a nice mm-hmm. feature on us, and we just got lots of attention. And 
especially after COVID, it was so nice to get out and reconnect and let people know about us. And I, I, I think it was a great year for that. Yeah, Melissa, Melinda wrote fabulous article, and we really appreciated that because we're under a lot of attack out there by people that don't didn't know us well, you know, and and are misinformed on on what we do. Yeah, and I and I think that's absolutely what it is because if people found out what you do, even people who are pro-choice would have to say, well, that's that's a good thing what they're doing. Yeah. You know, you that's know, a good I, thing. I, I love to have that discussion with people and say, uh, tell me what's wrong <laughs> with giving somebody right. free diapers for two years. <laughs> give me yeah. give me uh give me the, the flip side of that. What's negative about it? You know, it's well, it's it's yeah. it, and <laughs> and people look at their their jaw drops and goes, Well I I, I didn't know they did that, you know, you know, like. Right. In fact, I did get, uh, you know, every once in a while I get a nasty letter, and, you know, they're never signed, so Father Kiernan says, throw them away. But <laughs> somebody, said, somebody said, you know, we enable people too much to, that mm. are making bad decisions. And I'm like, well, when they come in, they've already made this, you know, we don't judge people's choices we're just trying to help you know mm-hmm. and we're not going to say you almost everyone that comes to us has you know hasn't been that responsible in some way or another or made a mistake and we're not going to turn them away um but yeah i got you know trying to help these women is just enabling them and so what, why is why of, is enable a, a dirty word you know <laughs> yeah we're lifting <laughs> them up why? and why is that a, a dirty word? I mean, I, I guess yeah. uh, loaves and fishes is enabling people to be homeless because they <laughs> because they feed them. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. uh, en- enabling should be a noble word. You'd think you're, you know, gosh, and I don't know. I didn't understand it, and I just thought, you know, it's her lousy excuse for not for not being giving. You know, so. Well, you, you know, you learn more by hostile letters than letters of praise. Uh, That's a, true. I've, I've learned true. as a uh, lifelong newspaper columnist uh, that um, hostile letters come with the territory. As my dad used oh, to say. Had a few. Yes. Yeah, he says, if you're, yes. not, if you're not getting some letters like that, you're not saying much. Yeah, you're <laughs> not, no. yes. Yeah, that's so true. So, and we're looking forward to 2023. Um, parishes should be getting uh, an email soon about our baby bottle program, Lenten baby bottles. We're bringing back the Mother's Day Rose Sale after three years. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be looking for volunteers and people to take that on in the parishes. So people can start thinking about next year. We're you never stop to, planning, do you? No, but it's just an endless <laughs> cycle. <laughs> Which which week of uh, of the fifty two weeks in a year do you get to put your feet up and say, okay, <laughs> job well I know. done? <laughs> I, yeah, it hardly you have to fit time in here and there. It's very hard, and you know I'm going on my into my twelfth year here. So wow! I know. So maybe a sabbaticals <laughs> in line for me. That would be lovely. Yeah, so, I, I I mean I the it's. You're in a field where you're basically always on call because you know, these things don't happen just from eight to five, five days a week. No, I get texts and emails from people constantly. Hey, I, I found a lady that needs help. I found this, you know, and it's it's just ongoing helping people twenty four seven. Sometimes, yep. you know, I yep. found a family that needs Christmas, and we get a lot of that, and try to connect people with resources so that these families uh, can can uh, enjoy Christmas and things like that. So it's never-ending. But it's it's a good never-ending. And... It is. My car is usually full of baby items. People see me, hey, I have stuff in my trunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it just goes with the territory. <laughs> you're, you're a mobile diaper, diaper clinic. <laughs> 
just drive around the communities tossing diapers out the window. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's all people that mean well and, uh, you know, are so giving, you know. This morning somebody handed me a bunch of baby net hats at church. You know, it's just, it's, it's really beautiful how giving people are. So the, a mobile clinic, um, yeah. I've, I've always wondered, like, how much does one of those things cost and, and what all goes into it? And who, you know, who's in the business of building lo- mobile clinics? You know, I mean, it's kind of like the Maytag repairman. You know, you could sit around for a while and, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to get an order every day. Right. Well, there are actually two or three pretty big mobile clinic um, manufacturers. Uh-huh. Well, they, they take a Ford chassis truck and put a box, or, or some are um, the RVs that are, you know, converted. Mm-hmm. But we ordered um, out of Arizona. It's a company that just custom builds mobile clinics, and we can meet with them and go over the floor plan and how big the rooms. And, of course, we want a counseling room and an ultrasound room. And um, so... But these have to fit on a normal lane and highway, right? Yeah. So ours is, it's, yes, and they do. Um, it's just like a, going to be like a box truck almost. Mm-hmm. But the, the back end is um, made into a really nice mobile clinic. And we liked that with the Ford truck um, versus the RV. We did have the RVs before, and they kind of wore out. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of maintenance and a lot of repairs, they're just not made to be on the road all day, every day. Mm-hmm. So um, this time with the Ford, um, where, you know, a nurse can drive it. I'm comfortable driving it. We don't have to hire someone. Mm-hmm. We can do, how you know, home visits. We can do just so much more with it. You can park it in normal, you know. Uh, parking lot, you don't have to scope it out with mm-hmm. those great big. So we're really excited about, you know, getting it. Um, but a custom one like that, they've gone up a lot. It was $220,000 mm. that we raised. And um, But now our problem is we should have had it already, but supply chain issues, yep. chip issues. So we're just sitting here waiting um, hoping, because, you know, everybody's so excited that gave towards this um, to um, to get it on the road. So hopefully early, you know, this next year we'll see it. Very good. Yeah. Well, Marie, uh, always a joy to talk with you, and uh, thanks for all the great work you and your staff there do and all your great volunteers. And uh, Thank you. Uh, it, we're now you're now into the second 50 years we are and we need everybody's support to so that in a hundred years sacramental life and i'll still be here helping moms well god god's blessings to you and uh, your family you. and uh, let's and everybody that you work with and all your all all the people that you see too and uh, have a happy and merry and holy christmas yeah same to you and to all your listeners Thanks, Marie. God bless. That's, that's, God bless you, too. That's Marie Leatherby, the executive director of the Sacramento Life Center. And uh, we'll, we'll go out. Uh, we, we'll tell you about uh, from heaven on high, celebrating the beauty and joy of Christmas, Sacred Heart Scola Cantorum, Don Kendrick Conductor, Ryan Enright, the organist, Saturday, December 17 at 8 p.m., Sunday, December 18, the matinee at 2 p.m., all at Sacred Heart Church. Sacred Heart Church, 39th and J Streets, right here in Sacramento. You can get tickets by calling 850-545-4298. Go to scolacantorum.com or tickets also at the door. That's scola, S-C-H-O-L-A-C-A-N-T-O-R-U-M.com. We'll go out with scola. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sin and death.
This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice, of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. To the cross alone. To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing On it must save you Both bruised and crushed Showing that God is love Yeah. 